0: Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the EFL Awards to my Second Tier Awards. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Second Tier Awards coming out in two weeks time, ladies and gentlemen. Not jot it down in your diaries. Um, Justin, how are you? I'm very
1: good. I'm really good. I'm actually really excited for the weekend with all the, 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 the permutations with the football. The results this mm. week have just wet my appetite so much. Mm. I, I, my... my, my excitement the other night when the goals were going in was ridiculous. It was like watching Star Wars again as a child. Is amazing. It, it was that good, was it? It, it was. It was. It, just because you get to a some point in the season when your championship pundit, it, sometimes um, things go out the window just because things are wrapped up. You look at Fulham, wrapped up the league pretty much. Relegation's done. This is all we've got.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and for the longest time, it looked like we were just going to have the playoff race to talk about. Exactly. What the automatic promotion races open back up. If it's like for you watching Star Wars as a kid, at what point is it Darth Vader re- revealing he's Luke's father? Whoa, 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 what, whoa, 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 whoa. Spoiler alert! You got to put a spoiler alert out before you say these things. I think the film's been out for forty years now. <laughs> just, <laughs> I think, I think if you've not watched it now, then <laughs> what, oh, what what's the equivalent there? Um,
1: It's the equivalent of Forrest scoring in the 93rd minute to win 1-0 to take them ahead of Bournemouth after Bournemouth lose this weekend and Forrest win.
0: That's what it would be like. It'd be unreal. We've got that to look forward to, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Well, welcome to the number one championship specific podcast. He's second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, we're going to talk about all those games that have happened in midweek. Plenty of twists and turns happening once again in this championship roller coaster. And we're nearly at the end now. Just two games remaining for most teams in the division as we head towards the final weekend of the championship season. I can't believe wait. (laughs) We'll talk about some of the news from the past few days as well in the second tier and then finish off with the Craig and pub quiz right at the end but before we jump into the show may I tell your listener about our friends at Fans Bet, the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans do check them out by clicking the link in the description of this episode they've got an exclusive offer for listeners to the second tier, you can get a welcome offer of bet £10, get £30 plus 10 free spins UK mobile registrations only, terms and restrictions apply for details on site 18 plus please do gamble responsibly visit begambleaware.org for more info and do also check out fans bet responsible gambling tools let's kick things off justin with bournemouth who came from three goals down to draw three three with swansea we'll start off by saying what a game this was (laughs) but justin i think it's strange because you look at it one way coming back from being three goals down obviously feels like a win in most situations right but heading into this, I think a draw would have been a poor result for Bournemouth. So if you take the context away from it, not a great result, but obviously in the circumstances could have been worse. Do you see what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it, is, it is a weird one, isn't it? Because as you say, they they need to pick up a win just to give them that breathing space um, ahead of Forest, which is why it was so frustrating, um, them dropping points recently. Um, with, with draws, but yeah, a win here would have been absolutely massive. Um, a draw isn't the worst thing; um, it's not ideal at all. But at least they showed something in their game um, against against Swansea. That makes you think, okay, they maybe they can get it over the line. They showed a character. They showed a willingness to break from the game plan. They had to, um, and and that's yeah, that's a lot more
0: reassuring than losing this game three 0 yeah, well, it is worth mentioning they could have won it had Kiefer Moore took away a big chance just before the equaliser. So this was a brilliant, brilliant game. But looking at the big picture, Justin, this point and Forrest's win against Fulham, which we'll get on to very shortly. This leaves the gap between Bournemouth and Forest at just three points with three games remaining when it was 11 points at the start of this mm-hmm. month, which just seems mental. Now, Justin. I always say it, I always say I hate the term bottling it, and I do. I think it's often thrown around too lightly. But if Bournemouth don't go up, I struggle to see an argument how this wouldn't be a bottle job. But how big of a bottle job are we talking here? Well, yes, yeah, it's, it's,
1: it'd be massive, wouldn't it? But I think coming back from three goals down is is sort of, I think I, I put it on Twitter, it's the reverse bottle job. They look like they're going to bottle it, but they, they somehow find a way uh, found their way back into it, so I don't think you can. Um, I don't think you can criticize them too much after coming back into this game. But yeah, if they do drop out of the automatics, then it would be massive considering the squad they've got, the start they had to the season, and the points they've accumulated since. It, yeah, it would be a, an absolute disaster, and, and, and quite rightly so. Probably, probably sackable. I think for Scott Parker,
0: mm, I think there's definitely an argument for it. And the thing is, as well, obviously if they fall out for the top two, they've still got the chance of the playoffs, but. I'm unconvinced that they'd even win them because mm-hmm. missing out after being in the top two and looking so settled for so long, I think that's going to have a real impact on them mentally. And I remember when, well, it was Brighton, once it? They missed out yeah. on promotion in 2016. Um, it takes an emotional toll on you when you miss out on promotion mm-hmm. on the last day or so close to uh, the last day or what have you. Um, and then you've just got to do it all over again, it's very difficult to reset, isn't it? And it into. And its yeah. If, if they don't get this over the line, then they wouldn't deserve it. And I know I'm stating the obvious there by saying they didn't deserve it points-wise, but you've got to think about it like this, right? One of the reasons Bournemouth have been dropping points is because they've had this really tricky run of games against teams in the top half of the table. They've only won one from the last six, haven't they? Mm-hmm. But if you're struggling to beat very good championship sides... How do you think you'll do when you're facing Premier League sides (laughs) week in, week out? So maybe in a strange way, it might be good for Bournemouth if they don't get promoted because there's definitely a lot of work that needs doing with this side and I've still got plenty of question marks about Scott Parker and his tactical capabilities of breaking down top sides. So, yeah, plenty of question marks over Bournemouth um, whether they get promoted or not. Quick word on Swansea Justin. That's twice in just over a week that they've let go of a three-goal lead. They're a side who I still fancy to do quite well next season but they're also a side that needs a lot of work doing now, aren't they?
1: I don't think they need a lot of work doing. They just they need... You look at the defenders they had on the pitch at the end of the game. Kiefer Moore was probably licking his lips at the, at the thought. Carl, um, Carl Norton, there was, um, I think it was Joel Latiba-Bodier at- as well. Uh, and there was Flynn Downs in there. Just not a very physical back line. And obviously with ball-playing defenders, they're not the most physical or they're perceived to be not the most physical, whereas you, know, you can go out and get them. Um, so I do think they just, they just need a couple of defenders to come in Um, and it would automatically improve the side because going forwards, they look good. They're clinical as well. They're a good side. They just need adding to it, essentially.
0: Fulham nil, Nottingham Forest one. As far as statement wins go, Justin, this is right up there, isn't it?
1: Yeah, this was this was massive. And you know, I was I was watching his game all the way through and it was it was an exciting game because there was a lot of chances for a team like Forest who had to sit back quite a lot um and and hit Fulham on the break. And Fulham were a little bit slow, I think, in the first half. Um there was a lot of really good chances in this game, and both keepers did them did themselves a very good very good, uh did themselves a lot of justice in in impossibly own match. But Steve Cook, what a performance from Steve Cook. Absolutely unreal. Um He did the same thing for Bournemouth earlier on in the season. Yeah, monumental brick wall. There's no other way of just describing it.
0: Yeah, Forrest really had to grind it out, didn't they? And Cook was brilliant. I thought Bree Samba was good as well. Needed Mm -hmm. to make some really important saves to Mm -hmm. keep out the Fulham attackers. But it was just a a good tactical performance from Forrest here. And Mm -hmm. it was exactly what you need to show, especially if they are going to be a Premier League side in the near future as well. Uh, The goal was very strange, wasn't it? I imagine (laughs) a lot of people didn't even see it because it looked like Fulham had an optimistic pass by Sam Surridge under control, but then Philip Zinconago managed to just poke it in, past Merrick Rodak. Very, (laughs) very strange. But for me, this is a side that looks ready to play Premier League football for me. What do you think, Justin? It's it's hard to disagree with you on
1: it because of how, how well drilled they were defensively. When you're going up to the Premier League, I think it was Daniel Farker that pointed this out, Um, the attacking teams tend to struggle in their first season. So his Norwich teams have struggled whenever they've gone up, but the defensive teams or the teams that sort of lean on being more disciplined and and, and structured and and harder to break down, they tend to fare a lot better. You look at that Sheffield United team, for example, in their first season, very good, kept a lot of clean sheets. And there are echoes of that that team in the, in this Forest side in in how they defend, um, and how quickly they break forward. So yeah, they, they are they are ready made. They they will need adding to, obviously, player wise, but style of play, defensive discipline, and structure, work off the ball. They're
0: ready for it. If I got told tomorrow that Fulham, Forest, and Bournemouth were going up, don't care in what order, but they're going up. I would fancy Forest to do the best out of those three teams, I think, just because, as you say, they have got a manager who plays a style of football, which I think would suit the Premier League and a team that is, you know, scraping out results, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the two others who will have to change their style of play, won't they? Yeah, they'll have to adapt to the Premier League. Um, And they've also shown that their recruitment is absolutely sterling, haven't they? With um, this season. Budget. Yeah, with this season, with budgets <laughs> that aren't um, the same as the likes of Bournemouth and Fulham. And yeah. I feel like they'd know who to bring in as opposed to Bournemouth and Fulham, who may just sign everyone who's moving. So uh, I'd fancy Forrest to do the best out in the Premier League out of those three. But sticking with the automatic promotion race, Justin, Forrest play Swansea this weekend, while Bournemouth are away at Blackburn then next Tuesday. Bournemouth v Forrest. I mean... It doesn't get any bigger than that, does it? It's it's
1: absolutely massive. Obviously, it could all go out the window if, if Bournemouth win and Forest lose this weekend, but I think the mentality of the Forest players and team at the moment is is absolutely spot on. I think Joe Worrell, was his postmaster interview interview summed the team up at the moment. Um so yeah, it'd be hard to see anything other than a decent result for, for Forest this weekend. Obviously, it depends what team Bournemouth t- uh, depends what yeah depends what team Bournemouth um, turn up with, uh, what mentality they turn up with as well. But yeah, it's, it's a mouth watering game and I can't wait.
0: I really can't wait. It's going to be an exciting. One. It's 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 essentially two playoff finals into yeah, one yeah. season. It's <laughs> it's absolutely remarkable. And to think this is only happening because the game at the Vitality Stadium got called off earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Um whether Bournemouth are regretting that now. Obviously, I don't think anything could have changed, but whether they were hoping that it was just played earlier in the season so there wouldn't be this amount of pressure, mm. I don't know. But it's going to be so fascinating and I'm hoping that the results this weekend suit this game becoming even bigger just so it becomes even more mouth-watering. But <laughs> we'll have to wait and see on that front. one woman in five from Fulham now. They've not officially won the title yet, but they're making a bit of a mess of sealing it, aren't they, Justin?
1: Yeah, I think I think going back to how this game played out against, obviously against Forest, I don't think they were bad. I just think they were a little bit slow in the first half. Um, they created an abundance of chances, and I think they were just a lucky that they came up against a Forest team were fighting, abs- tooth and nail, absolutely everything to get to that top, to get into that top two. Um, and obviously, the goal that they scored was 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 well considered. Sorry, was quite unfortunate. But yeah, they are. They are stumbling a little bit, but given how how ruthless they have been going forwards this season, it's got goals. You know they, they they've been so so good, so they, you can give them a little bit of reprieve
0: um with that.
1: Yeah, short form.
0: But they're going to win the they're going to win the title anyway, aren't they? Because Bournemouth mm-hmm. are the only team who are catching them, and at this point, it looks like Bournemouth would have to win. In fact, they would have to win every single game, and Fulham would have to lose pretty much every single game. So they're going to win it, but they're crawling over the line after sprinting for the past mile. (laughs) Um, Does it affect how I think they'll do in the Premier League? Not really, but it's not exactly, you know going over the line in flying colours, is it? Yeah. Let's head up to Lancashire for the derby between Preston and Blackburn, which surprisingly finished 4-1 to the visitors. Prior to this, Blackburn had only managed four league wins this calendar year, and they'd only picked up three points from a possible 27 in their last nine away games. Justin, this is one I didn't see coming at all.
1: Yeah, and it gives gives every single Blackburn fan a little bit of hope as well, which, as we all know in football, is the hope that kills you. Um, But yeah, seeing this result play out the way it did, absolutely sort of yeah, mind boggling as to how as to how firstly Blackburn scored more than two goals. Um, and secondly, how they managed to keep out pressing. But actually, Blackburn were very good. They were as electric on the break as they were earlier in the season. Um, and they were really, really efficient in front of goal, which is exactly what you need when you're, I'd say, down on your look, but when you're in really poor form, you need goals to go in. You look at John Buckley's Daisy Cutter. For example, mm. so, so precise, so, so precise. And I guess he's quite fortunate given the distance the, the, the goal was um, or, or the shot was from goal. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a good performance and a much needed one. So I think just to lift the pressure off the team and Mowbray
0: a little bit as well. I suppose it shows that form goes out the window in Derby's, <laughs> doesn't it? The old adage proving true. But this was like the Blackburn of old. John Buckley was brilliant. I thought Lewis Travis in the middle of the park was mm-hmm. excellent as well. and Diaz got a hat-trick of assists, kind of. Um, we'll give it to him. But yeah, it was the dynamic Blackburn that we saw around wintertime who were just blowing away past mm-hmm. teams. It was fantastic. Uh, Ryan Lowe even admitted after the game that Blackburn wanted it more which is not exactly what you want to hear from your manager after a derby. But nonetheless, despite Blackburn's rotten form recently, they've actually still got a chance of nicking the last playoff spot, which I find miraculous considering they've been so poor in the second half of the season. But how do you assess their chances at this point, Justin? Uh,
1: Pretty weak. Um, They're on the same number of points as Millwall. And obviously, there's the goal difference factor as well that they are quite level with Sheffield United Borough so that does give them a little bit of respite Um but considering that Bournemouth have sorry Blackburn have failed to build on their form in the second half of the season it's really difficult to see them finishing that top six if they back it up with a win against Bournemouth then actually you probably start to think they, they might be able to do it then Um because you go back to that derby game where the first half they were terrible second half they were brilliant next game they lose they were just back to I wouldn't say Blackburn of old, but Blackburn that we, you know, don't love this this half of the season, essentially. Um, so yeah, I would assess them as weak at the moment. They need to follow up with a good performance at the weekend.
0: Well, as things stand, if Sheffield United win either of their remaining games, then that's just about it for Blackburn. So exactly. You're also asking Blackburn to win at least one of their remaining two games and the three points have been few and far between for them this calendar year, haven't they? And now Mm -hmm. we've got the caveat as well that Middlesbrough have managed to jump ahead of them in the pecking order too. So who knows? There's been crazier things that have have happened in the playoff race (laughs) at this point of the season, but obviously it's unlikely, isn't it? Just a a quick break. After that, we'll talk about Middlesbrough's win against Cardiff and Barnsley who are going down with very little to fight for. Back to the second tier podcast. So Middlesbrough moved within two points of the playoffs after beating Cardiff two 0 What did you make of this one, Justin? I don't think Borough were particularly great as the scoreline might suggest, but ultimately they got the job done. That's
1: that's it, isn't it? They got the job done, which is what they've <coughs> which is what they've struggled to do um, in recent games. I think getting the early goal in the second half in the, uh, through McGree would have definitely. Um, we definitely lifted the pressure off going into that final uh, half an hour because Cardiff, under Steve Morrison, can can chuck things, uh, can chuck things forward, can chuck the ball forward and, and nick a goal as well. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's a really important win, really important clean sheet, and obviously keeps them in the hunt for the, the top six. Again, relying on Sheffield United dropping points, but they're in with a shout, which is exactly what they need to be at
0: this stage. Nice goal by Marcus Tavernier here from 25 yards out. How, how do you rate their playoff chances then, Justin? Their remaining games are at home to Stoke and away at Preston, both definitely winnable, aren't they? And worth saying that they're only two points behind Sheffield United, who have got to play Fulham on the final day of the season. So, yeah, what are you thinking? It's, it's difficult to say. I think, I think if you look at Blackburn,
1: Borough, and Sheffield United, they're, they're all those three teams are they're out of form. They're badly out for Millwall of the form team, um, but because of goal difference, I'm not mentioning them. Um, even though they're level on points with with Blackburn, um, and then you look at the look at them going forwards. Strikers are misfiring. Tavernia's goal was was from distance. Um, they did create a good number of chances, but at the same time, they lack it. They lack a certain something going forwards. It's really hard to put your finger on, but they do need a little bit more going forward. <clears throat> defensively they're okay they have been a bit shaky recently Um, but at the moment again I'd I'd say Sheffield United are the the, the favourites just because they've got a two-point gap and they've got players coming back from injury Um, that they can only get
0: better is what I'm trying to say. Well if they win this weekend then that is essentially it for Mm -hmm. most of the teams they're into and Middlesbrough probably the only side left if Sheffield United were to win, who could take advantage because they've got those two winnable games? And this is in the caveat that Sheffield United won't get a result against Fulham. But considering they've only got one win in five at the time of recording, there's every chance that they could get a result there. So who knows? It's still up in the air, but it is obviously Sheffield United in the driving seat. Middlesbrough need to try and get rid of this terrible run of form <laughs> that they've been on. Obviously, easier said than done. So we'll see. Already relegated Barnsley lost 2-0 at home to Blackpool. Barnsley didn't have their Loney's Domingos Quina or Amin Bassi for this game after sending them back to their parent clubs. They've relied a lot on those two for creativity over the past few months, Justin, and it sure as hell showed here, didn't it? I was going to say that. I was going to say that, yeah, it did. This was
1: such a terrible performance. Um, and they missed that quality that those that those players brought in. Um I thought Matty Wolf was was okay and obviously he hit the bar from distance, but other than that, I think Courtney Woodrow forced a decent save from Chris Maxwell as well. But other than that, this was um this was a poor, poor performance and does not make you think that a Barnsley can come straight back up next season.
0: Yeah, well that's what I was gonna say. It's an unfortunate, <laughs> worrying sign of what's to come for Barnsley, isn't it? Even the mm-hmm. permanent players like Carlton Morris, Callum Styles, Courtney Woodrow, all of them started in this game, didn't play particularly well. But how many of them are actually going to stay?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. Um, and you look at Morrison Woodrow, Last season they were a, a top six forward lineup, obviously with Daryl in there as well. This season they're, they're probably going to finish bottom of the table. Um, and that's that's was really really sad. But you've you got to feel sorry for them because they've got absolutely no supply at all. And also with the the, the wingback system they play, they don't really offer much uh, out wide either. And the likes of Callum Styles. Um, yeah, there's there's a yeah. I just just feel sorry for them because there's nothing for them at the moment going forwards. Um, they'll probably get bids coming for them. If I was Barnsley, I would I would sell them to, to to fund a new squad because that's what they need. That is exactly what they need.
0: They need a new squad, but will their recruitment be how it was <laughs> a couple of seasons ago or last summer? Um, it's too. It's like chalk and cheese, isn't it? Those two. So it needs to be the cheese in this situation. Otherwise (laughs) they're going to be in serious, serious shit. A very comfortable win for Blackpool though. And I think it's quite clever actually, just in how much depth they've got, because they've got one of the lowest wage budgets in the division, as we know, but they still managed to easily win here. Sure. Barnsley weren't up to Mm -hmm. much, but Blackpool didn't have Josh Bowler, Jerry Yates. He was on the bench. Keshi Anderson, Gary Medin, some, of their key players this season, but still won comfortably here. It's, it's mighty impressive, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it really is. If you look at Jake Beasley, for example, came in from Rochdale in January, has had to bide his time, but he's looking at a decent acquisition. Um, up front with Shane Lavery as well, I think that's a classic little and large partnership, but, I mean, Gary Medine, you put him up there and everyone's smaller than him, so it's the same thing. But yeah, you're absolutely spot on in in, in, in talking about the depth. Matty Virgil, Matty Virgil came in, he's been out um, with a serious injury, he's he, he's came in for his first few games. Kenny Dougal has been great since he's come back into the team as well. You look at that, Kevin Stewart leaving in the side, for example, he's he's been injured. Yeah, there's there's a lot of depth here, um, and it is really really exciting. They've got like for like depth as well. You look at Beasley, Medine, there's Lavery, there's Yates, slightly different. There's Dale, Anderson, Hamilton. It's, it's a lot of good players, and it is it is really exciting. As I say, you know, just looking at the squad now, it's it's yeah, it's it's going to do well next season. Oh, I hope it does well next season because, again, with their recruitment and the budget, just goes to show you don't need to do too much.
0: No, absolutely not. Right now, it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. So the AFL Awards winners have been announced. Just want to emphasise that these are Mickey Mouse Awards compared to the much more prestigious second-tier awards, which will be announced in about two weeks' time. But unsurprisingly, player of the season was Alexander Mitrovic. No shock at all there. I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Brendan Johnson won Young Player of the Season. Team of the Season had Lee Nichols in goal, a back three of Joe Worrell, Tosin Adara Bayo and Lloyd Kelly. Wing-backs were Jed Spence and Anthony Robinson, Ryan Yates and Phil Billing and Harry Wilson in midfield. Up front, Alexander Mitrovic and Dom Solanke. And then finally, Nathan Jones, named as manager of the season. Without giving too much away, Justin, our team of the season, how close is that to your team of the season?
1: It's, yeah, it's fairly close. Um, I think last season we surprised quite a few. Obviously, Watford had the best defensive record, but we didn't have any Watford defenders in there, mainly because they didn't make any they didn't make over 30 appearances between them, well, each. So that, that surprised a few. There might be a couple of surprises with ours this season. Um, but that one that they had is, is pretty close. I also want to point out that every single team of the season right through the leagues had three at the back. I know there's been mm. a trend of more teams playing three at the back, but wow, it's a good old
0: 4-4-2. Yeah, bring back 4 4 <laughs> Brexit ball. Um, I was having a look at it and I've got about three quarters of my team settled. I think mm-hmm. obviously me and Justin we make our own teams and then we have a n- tough negotiations <laughs> over who's gonna stay in what position, but we shouldn't be too far off, I don't think. Um but I think I agree with half of that team. There are some um, admissions who I was a bit like, oh really? Um, but then in others I'm I'm still very unsettled in other areas. So who knows? We, we'll, hopefully, it'll become a lot more clearer in the next two weeks and it uh, will be a lot more settled on our team of the season, which the whole world is obviously waiting for. Justin, let's move on. Huddersfield and Luton have both been fined for failing to control their players after the mass brawl that happened when the two teams met earlier this month. Huddersfield contested the charge and were told to pay £5,500. Luton admitted the charge and were fined slightly less. Moving on, Lanks Live says, Preston's Izzy Brown and Josh Murphy are no longer with the club. Izzy Brown's missed the whole season after suffering an Achilles injury. Josh Murphy, meanwhile, has been on loan all season, but has barely played. The report says punctuality and attitude are two of the reasons behind their exits. I think for both of them, Justin, it's difficult to predict where their careers actually go from here.
1: Yeah, you're you're spot on. Really disappointing for Izzy Brown because I thought it was a good signing but it's just injuries that have held him back. Because he's a quality player, um, and he was so unfortunate to, to get that Achilles injury last uh, last summer. Um, with with Murphy, completely forgot he was at Preston. He came on against Derby, and I was like, "Did he make that move in January?" But he said he's been on loan for the season. Yeah, completely, completely forgettable. And again, I know he's had calf issues, but yeah, it's it's pretty sad that their their careers have dampened a little bit because they're two very very talented players.
0: Yeah, But the fact that it's coming down to punctuality and attitude as well is is really poor. So Josh Josh Murphy's career in particular, I think is really interesting because I'm not sure if he's out of contract at Cardiff this summer, but they paid 11 million for it a few years (laughs) ago, which is obviously looking like a shocking bit of business now. But when you consider how his brother, obviously, you, you always link these two together because they're twin brothers, and I always <laughs> get their careers mixed up. But when you consider that his brother's doing all right at Newcastle in the Premier League, mm-hmm. it's it's strange, isn't it, how his career has ended up like this? I struggled to see Izzy Brown getting a Championship move next yeah. season because obviously you've got to take into account the injury side of things, anyway. But if if Preston aren't fancying you next season, then the bar isn't much lower, is it? Unless it's the team who's just come up. You know what I mean? I mean, no, no, That no not That's That sounded Preston, harsh. But, <laughs> well, it sounds harsh, but you know what I mean? Preston's mid table, isn't it? You're looking yeah. the level below that now, which is a team coming up. Mm-hmm. So, unless he can't get a move there, then who knows, his career might just fizzle out because it's happened to players of a similar stature to him before. Steve Bruce has told West Brom's players to move closer to the training ground next season. Eight to nine members of the squads live more than an hour away. I said eight to nine, by the way. It sounded like 89. <laughs> <laughs> eight to nine members of the squad live more than an hour away. But Bruce says he'll continue living an hour and a half away at his home in Cheshire, which is just bizarre Justin. if this happened in a normal office it'd be something like straight out of the mouth of michael scott <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's, yeah it is very uh very office space it is weird
1: isn't it that he wants them to move closer i mean if they live a train connection away for example like say if you lived in you say if you played for birmingham you lived in tamworth that's okay because you're a 20 minute train away Bit a bit of a longer drive but an hour's drive i don't know more than an hours drive it just seems a bit harsh making them uproot their families for the sake of maybe an hour radius a bit bizarre
0: mm. the thing is the roads around west brom are absolutely shocking they are so yeah. they'd have to basically move into the west midlands and a lot of the house i imagine a lot of the people who play for west brom probably live in the worcestershire area where it's A lot, a very upmarket kind of area. Do you work in Rose (laughs) there? I just know, I just, I just know from working in that area that Worcestershire is a very, it is a hot place for people to live in. It's very nice around (laughs) there. Um, So, Maybe Steve Bruce should be complaining about the road system in the West Coast instead. <laughs> just, just putting it out there. And finally, Luton boss Nathan Jones has revealed he set fire to a table tennis table in a bid to change the culture at the club. Speaking to Talksport, he says when he first joined the club, he thought some players were more concerned with ping pong than playing football. Thoughts on this? Just in it, setting fire to a table tennis table instead of just recycling it seems a bit psychotic. <laughs>
1: It's pretty wild. Yeah, that is, that is making a statement. I'm trying to trying to think of something to compare it to any sort of wild leaders. Yeah, maybe we're trying to do one of those things that you may have heard on a TED Talk and he's just thinking, right, I'll try and inspire these lot. It was a Stoke dressing room, wasn't it? Was it, it was a Stoke dressing room? Was it Luton At dressing least. room? Oh, that's even crazier then because very humble group Luton players. Um, yeah, pretty bonkers and
0: table tennis, it's a nice little pastime as well. Yeah, it's a bit harsh. Mm, yeah he's it's, it, it's one way of just it's one thing saying i'm just gonna shut this on the skip lads you've taken this too far but setting it on fire also
1: how did he set fire to it because they're obviously coated table tennis tables are they, they, i'd imagine they would be quite difficult to set fire to. i'd you know, i'd love for him to thrown a molotov cocktail onto it to like really amplify the craziness to it I've
0: always wanted to throw a Molotov cocktail, just in. I've always just wanted to give it a go to see if it actually works. <laughs> it's like it's well, like it does, one of those things. It? Well, it's like one of those things that you see in movies all the time, and you're like, "Oh, that's that looks really cool. I really want to give it a go." It's like kicking in a door or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Maybe we can do like us, like you know, during the um, summer break, we can do like a YouTube series on experiments and. Things that you see in movies that you want to try in real life Like getting in a taxi and shouting Go, go, go Or the free kick Or the free kick in Benny Light Beckham The slowest free kick ever (laughs) Dodgy goalkeeping (laughs) Right, now it's time for this All right, all right. Settle down, you lot. It's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Yeah, that goalkeeper definitely got paid off, didn't she? Uh, thank you, Mr. Bartender. <laughs> it's the penultimate Craig Bryson pub quiz of the season, everyone. What an emotional roller coaster it's been. This is the game where Justin and I tried to guess a mystery championship legend. This week, I'm giving Justin six clues on a player who's made at least 200 championship appearances. All he's got to do is guess who it is. 13-12 to myself for the, situ- uh, for the season. The situation is still the same. Justin can't win for the season. The best he can do is draw. But Justin's thrown his toys out the pram recently by giving me absolute stinkers. So, Justin, do you want the first clue? Yeah, I'll have
1: the first clue. But throw toys out the pram and me is a completely off statement,
0: given the, how you ended last week's episode. Well, you have <laughs> gone from giving me actual players who people actually know at championship level to going to... As obscure as it gets Listen,
1: listen. the Craig Bryson pub quiz Is for the, 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 the second tier OGs It's for the people who are passionate About championship football If you get to this point in the episode And you've not switched off You love the Craig Bryson pub quiz And I'm giving
0: the people what they want Okay <laughs> First clue I've made 289 championship appearances Scoring 21 goals
1: 289 appearances, 21 goals Could be a very good fullback Maybe a midfielder
0: I will. I will go with Ben Watson, though. It's not Ben Watson. Fullbacks going twenty-one goals. You never know. That's one in ten, pretty much, isn't it? That's four goals a season.
1: Connor Roberts is good for those numbers in five years' time, maybe. Mm, okay, maybe. Maybe you have got a point.
0: I made my professional debut at Shrewsbury.
1: At Shrewsbury, Dave Edwards.
0: It's not Dave Edwards. Oh. Well, good to <laughs> um, I made most of my club appearances for Wolves. I promise it's still not Dave. Edwards. Oh. Um, I made most of my club appearances for Wolves, playing there for six seasons before leaving in two thousand two. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, leaving leaving in two thousand two. Ow, um, professional debut for Shrewsbury. That's why it's obviously in the nineties, isn't it? Um good match, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Decades and all that. Um I don't know. Nigel Jempson? No. No, he's most known for playing for Forest. That's a silly
0: answer. It's not Nigel Jempson. I don't really know who that is. Other clubs I played for include Sunderland, Sheffield United, Rotherham, and Portsmouth. Sunderland, Sheffield United, Rotherham, Portsmouth.
1: <clears throat> Shrewsbury Wolves sixties. The thing is, like pre two thousand Wolves, I know nothing about. It's really weird. There's just a massive gap in my knowledge on Wolves before the millennium restarted. It's bonkers. Mm-hmm. So this is yeah. this is difficult. Yeah, I like Steve how Ball. I like how yeah Steve Bull and obviously our, our former teacher Andy Thompson as well. Um, yeah, I like how cold you're being with this you're you're being such a bastard
0: i'm just giving you a player i think is as relevant as the past two you've given me
1: um 289 appearances 21 goals gotta be a midfielder 2002 it's, it's that that 2002 wolves thing next clue please two left all right
0: i have over 50 caps for wales What were the teams you played for? Portsmouth, Rotherham, Sheffield United, Sunderland, Wolves. It's not Andy Johnson, is it? It's not Andy Johnson. I retired from football in 2011, ending my career in the MLS, where I also went on to manage. This is the last clue? Yes, yes it is. You have been...
1: This is the last Craig Barson quiz of the season. And you are not giving it... We've the... got
0: one more next week.
1: Oh, no, have we? You're just yeah. not giving it the oomph it needs, I don't think. Um, I'm just giving to you one MLS... I think
0: is as relevant as the last two you've given me.
1: Went to the MLS in... When did you say he went to the MLS?
0: Um I didn't say when he went to the MLS. I said he's, he ended his career in the MLS in 2011.
1: 2011. Um. And he's played for Rotherham, Portsmouth.
0: Yeah, you, you repeat all the clues I've mentioned. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rotherham, Portsmouth. Yep. Started at Shrewsbury.
1: Yep. 50 caps for Wales. Six years at Wolves. Ended in 2002.
0: Yeah, um, you've got it. <laughs> thanks for the recap. Sorry, what, what were the clubs he played for again? For God's sake. <laughs> Are you being serious? Yeah, I yeah, know yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Wolves, Sunderland, Sheffield United, Rotherham, Portsmouth. Carl Robinson. It is Carl Robinson. (laughs) Get in there! Oh, my God. That is absolutely mental. Where the hell has that just come from?
1: Get in there. That was the depths of the chambers. Never knew he played for uh, Wolves.
0: That is absolutely mental. I cannot believe you've just got that. (laughs) Equalized. Unbelievable! He's equalised. Unbelievable, <laughs> Justin. Are you going to promise that you're not going to be a knobhead when it comes to the Craig Brass and Pub Quiz next week? I can't promise anything. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm completely astounded,
1: and you know, I just just hope that the, the the viewers, the listeners, enjoyed that because that was that was a good one. You gave me absolutely nothing. You gave me absolutely. Nothing. I told you every club he played for. You told me every club you played. I told you
0: who um, Chris McCann's dad worked for last week, and you gave me nothing this week. That, that's because Chris McCann is completely obscure as anything. Last <laughs> week, you gave me the week before, you gave me gifted Noel Williams. So He's good players. He's let's a good be player. sportsmanlike on the last week, all right? Okay. And Pretty do sure. the honourable thing and just give me someone who more than <clears throat> five people will be able to tell you what clubs those players have played for, all right?
1: Yeah, okay, Yeah,
0: Yeah, sure. So it's 13 all for the season. (laughs) (laughs) Send that there. Yeah, it's it. I hate it because you've completely shithoused the last two players with me. That's what the championship's all about. That's what it's all about. No, Craig Bryson will be spinning in his grave. <laughs> right. This has been the second tier podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday to talk about all the weekend's games as we head towards the final couple of games for the championship season. I can't bloody wait just in and I'm excited as anything. So we look forward to seeing you on Sunday. This has been the second tier podcast. I have been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.